I woke up uh, this past Monday morning, and usually I don't get conscious till about 9 o'clock. <laughs> but this was kind of early. And you know what was on my mind? The fire of God. I was just thinking about how God is the God who answers by fire. In other words, um, it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, look at this. For our God is a consuming fire. What a description of God. Our God is a consuming fire. Do you realize how many times God revealed himself by fire? I'm thinking about when God... You know, Moses thought he could handle it without God, so he killed that uh, Egyptian soldier. And he ran ahead of God and wasn't supposed to do it, so God sent him off into the desert for 40 years. And there God was teaching Moses to humble himself and depend on him. But you know, God appeared to him. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 2 through 6, listen to this. Now the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, and the bush would not be consumed. And and then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, the burning bush, while the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, now listen to this, God called to him, from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, he said, here I am. Then he said to him, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you're standing is holy ground. God appeared to Moses and spoke to him in a burning bush. Our God is a consuming fire. You remember when God led Israel out of Egypt? You remember they, he, he didn't take them the, the shortcut. Of course, you know, they, they disobeyed God and ended up wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. But he said, I'm going to take them a certain route because I don't want them to go near to the Philistines because they're at war and they may lose heart. But how did God lead them? It tells us very clearly in the book of Exodus Uh, Chapters 13, chapter 13, verses 21 and 22. Now, this is how God led them. And God went, and the Lord went before them by day, and a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night, a pillar of fire that gave them light as they go day by day, day and night. God led them by a cloud, but at night, he led them as a pillar of fire fire so they would have light. Our God is a consuming fire. John the Baptist came preaching repentance and calling people to repentance. And in Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, boy, this, this is where it gets right home where we are. John said, now I indeed baptized you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me, Jesus, is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to, to, to carry. 
Listen to what he said. He, I baptize you with water, John said, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Oh, not just with the Holy Spirit, but he said he's going to baptize you with fire. Our God is a consuming fire. And we get over in in the book of um, Acts, and Peter has just preached on Pentecost. Now, on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came, and it set on each one of them as tongues of fire on their head. And fire is the symbol of the presence of God. And that fire on their head that went down into their bodies was a symbol of the presence of God coming back into their life. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. But it says, look at what it says. In Acts 2-3 it says, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and set upon each one of them. He set upon each one of them. And, and so the fire of God came into the disciples in the upper room. Well, you know what? Um, the Bible says that the presence of God dwelled behind the veil in the Holy of Holies in the temple. The tabernacle had three rooms, an outer court where there was a brazen altar and a bronze labor. They would bring their sacrifices, open them on the bronze brazen altar for their sin. The priest would wash their hands at the brazen, at the brazen uh, altar and the bronze labor. They'd wash their hands at the bronze labor. Then, then there was the holy place where there was a seven golden lampstands, picture of the Holy Spirit fed by oil and it was fire. Then there was the table of showbread, picture of Jesus, the bread of life. And at the back was a seven, a 10 foot high, seven inch thick scarlet veil. And behind the veil was the, the Ark of the Covenant, above it the mercy seat, and then the cherubim above that, and the Shekinah glory of God His presence dwelled there above the Ark of the Covenant over the mercy seat. Now, nobody could go in there but once a year. And the priest went in there once a year, covered himself up so he would not be killed by the presence of God. But the Shekinah glory of God. Now, the word Shekinah, you wonder what that means. Let me tell you what it means. It means brightness. It means brilliance. It means splendor, splendor. And so it says the brightness and the brilliance and the splendor of God dwelled among them. Kind of like a picture of fire. And so today I want us to just think about the fire of God and how each one of us need the fire of God to touch our lives. And that's exactly what God wants to do. And, you know, as I thought about the fire of God and how uh, the Bible teaches us certain things about fire. It tells us that fire consumes. Our God is a consuming fire. Fire consumes and burns up. And we see that in First King, Second Kings chapter 1, verse 12. Now, this is, you know, this was Old Testament stuff. So Elijah answered and said to them, If I am a man of God, 
let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed them and his 50. Fire of God consumes. It can consume things in our lives that does not need to be there. Our God is a consuming fire. But fire not only consumes, you know what it does? It refines. It's called the refining fire. Look in chapter uh, 3 of the book of Malachi. Malachi 3, 1 through 3. It tells us that God is a consuming fire. Now, I love this promise. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And I love this. And the Lord, whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom we delight. Behold, he is coming, saith the Lord of hosts. And he goes and says, but who can endure the day when the Lord comes? Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand while he appears? Listen to this. For he is like a refiner's fire. He said, God's going to show up. And when God shows up, he's going to be like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. You know, a beautiful thing about fire, it refines. They smelt gold. They heat it up and get it to a certain temperature. And when the gold gets to a certain temperature, it is refined in that all the impurities that are in the gold rise to the top. And they scrape that off. And all you have left is pure gold. It's refined by fire. Same thing's true of silver. And it says of God, he's like a refiner's fire. Not only does God consume sometimes that in us, which should not be there, but sometimes God... And he puts the we get a, he kind of puts the heat on us, and we find that God is in the process of refining us. Because fire refines. But I'll tell you another thing. Not only is fire consuming, and not only is it refining, but it's powerful. You know, I was talking to someone, you know, uh, they have this big debate now about we don't need to burn coal in the power plants because the coal gets off the wrong uh, gases or something like that, you know. But you know what that coal does? It, you, that coal burns and it produ- and, and, and fire. And you know what that fire does? It produces power and energy. And you know where that power and energy goes? It goes over those electrical lines and lights your house. But it all started back here with the fire because fire has power. And we see that power in Acts chapter 2. After the, uh, the disciples had been filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, Peter preached on Pentecost, in Acts 2 thir- verse 36, 37, it says that, Therefore let all the house of Israel know. Now, Peter, the fire of God had gone into Peter, and he was preaching, and now he's uh, gotten to the conclusion of his message. Therefore let all the house of Israel know Assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now I want to show you the power of fire. And it goes on and says in the next verse, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. These were the same people who weeks before had hollered, do you want Barabbas, a criminal, 
or do you want Jesus? And they said, give us Barabbas. These were the same people when Pilate tried to get Jesus off his hands. And they said, what will I do with Jesus? And these people cried, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Now, the fire of God had filled Peter. And the Holy Spirit of God had flowed out of Peter. And he preached and it says, and they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? That is the power of the fire of God. And, of course, they were baptized, 3,000 souls. But, but where I want to concentrate this morning is one of the great passages in the Bible. And if I had a title for this message, it would be this, Send the Fire. Lord, send the fire. And it all goes back to Elijah on Mount Carmel. When he confronted Ahab, confronted the prophets of Baal and Azeroth, and had a showdown. And so I want to read some scriptures, and I want you to follow this on the screen, because it's going to help you to understand the background. In 1 Kings 18, verses 17 through 24, here's the confrontation now that's about to happen on Mount Carmel. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah. Ahab said to him, is that you, O troubler of Israel? He said, Elijah, you're causing trouble in Israel. Well, he goes on and says, he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you've followed the Baals. You're chasing idols. Now, now therefore, he says, we're going to have a showdown. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel. He said, I want you to gather all the people of Israel on Mount Carmel. Then I want you to get the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Azeroth and who eat at Jezebel's table. So Abraham, Ahab sent all for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to the people and said, how long will you be divided between two opinions? Now here he is standing for the people of Israel. He said, I got to ask y'all a question. How long are you going to have a divided heart? When are you going to make up your mind that you can't have God and Baal, that you've got to have God or Baal? He said, how long will you be divided between two opinions? He said, listen, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then you follow him. Guess what? The people didn't say a word. They just kept going. And the people answered him, not a word. All right, and then Elijah said to the people, I alone am am left a prophet of the Lord, and Baal's prophets are 450, 450 men. And he goes on and says, therefore, he's going, here's the challenge. We're going to find out who God is. Therefore, let, let them give us two bulls. Let them choose one. Let the prophets of Baal choose two bulls. Let them choose one for themselves. Cut it in pieces. Lay it on wood, put no fire under it, and prepare the other bull and lay it on, on wood, but put no fire under it. He says, so we got two sacrifices here. We got the Baal's altar with a bull laying on the, on the altar with no fire under it. And we got the sacrifice of God, of, 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 of Elijah, of Israel, laying on an altar with no fire under it. And then look at what he said. 
then you call on the name of your gods. And I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well. Now, you remember what he said? He's okay. We fixed to find out who God is. All right. Y'all get your sacrifice. Don't, don't you put any fire under it. Then you call on your God and the God that answers by fire, he's God. So they accepted the challenge. Now, th- there's a couple of things. Before we get a little bit further into the story, I want to say this. We all need for God to send the fire. We all need for him to send a fresh fire into our lives. We need for God to send the fire. Because it it rings in my ears what Elijah said to the people of God. How long are you going to be divided between two opinions? He said, let me tell you something. You, you, You can't serve God. And you can't serve Baal. And Baal was, there were many Baal's gods. And they were the people of God that God had brought out of Egypt and all this kind of stuff. And man, sometimes they'd worship Jehovah and sometimes they'd worship the Baal. He said, let me tell you one thing. You've got to make up your mind. This, this being divided. How long are you going to be divided between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then you follow him. You know what the Bible says? It makes it so, so clear that you can't serve two masters. Did you know that? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, listen to Jesus. You see, you've got to make a choice. And I can't make it for you. It says no man can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or, he, or else he will be loyal to one. And despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. He said, listen, you can't serve two masters. Not Jesus said that. He said, you have to make a choice now. I know you, you want to have it both ways. He said, you can't get it both ways. Because you know what the first commandment is? Do you know what the first commandment is? You shall have no other gods before me. What part of that don't we understand? Jesus said, now you can't serve two masters. You can either love one and hate the other. He said, you've got to make a choice. And then Jesus said again, this is very strong. In Luke eleven twenty three, listen to what Jesus said. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather scatters abroad. You say, oh, no, you don't understand, Brother Fred. I, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. I, I love God and, and I love this. But, you know, it's, it, it, you know, don't be so... Narrow here that you, you can't serve too much. I didn't write that. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. But, you know, you're being too narrow. Jesus, you know, he said, if you're not with me, you're against me. I, I'm, not, I'm not with him, but I'm not against him. It's not what he said. It's not what he said. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathers not scatters abroad. You know, Joshua had led Israel across the Jordan into the promised land. And they'd watched Jericho fall. God had given them cities that they did not build and gardens and, uh, and, and fruit uh, things that they didn't plant. 
Now Joshua's come to the end of his life. And this is his farewell address to Israel. The people that he's led and the people that God's blessed and that God's brought into the promised land. And so in his, at the close of his last sermon before he died, this is what he said. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And he goes and he says, now, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, boy, he sounds like Elijah. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served, which were on the other side of the river, he said, you've got to choose. You're either going to serve Yahweh, Jehovah, or you're going to serve the God your father served on the other side of the river. Or the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And boy, Joshua said, I've made a choice. He said, it's with me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. He didn't have a divided heart. He was with him. He said, you've got to make a choice. But my choice is this. I'm going to serve the Lord my God. And he goes on and closes out his message to those people and just tells them in verse 24, he said, and the people said to Joshua, thank God, the Lord our God we will serve. And his voice we will obey. You know, I'm saying this to you. I'm saying this to me. This is as much to me as it is to you. We all need the fire of God. Every one of us need the fire of God to touch us. We cannot be divided between two opinions. In this world, there's darkness and there's light. In this world, there's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And you know, you, you just can't, you say, well, I, 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 I want to be here a while, I want here a while, and here a while, and here a while. That makes you dizzy when you do that. Basically, we all have that choice. You shall have no other gods before me. In fact, he says, let me tell you, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. You know, some people are offended by the Bible. But you know what I say to them? I didn't write it. The Holy Spirit did. And let me tell you something. It has stood the test of thousands of years. Everything the Bible said was going to happen has happened. Everything the Bible says is going to happen is going to happen. You read the New Testament, it's like you're reading the newspaper. That in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, disobedience to parent, unholy, unthankful, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Hey, listen, I'm telling you, the more I read this book, I say, God, everything you said, you said that Israel was going to go back to its own land. And in 1948, just a handful of Jews went around in the midst of Millions of Arabs who hated them. And, and Israel became a nation. And six years later, they took Jerusalem. I said, God, that's impossible. He said, with me, it's not impossible. 
And so we, we realize that God's word is true and it is clear and it calls for us to make a decision. Now, we all need the fire. I need the fire. Man, I need the fire of God. I desperately need it. You need it. But you know what? How do you prepare for the fire of God to come to you and me? I mean, I'd like to know, how do you prepare? I need for God, by his fire, to consume some things in me that are not good. And I need for the fire of God to refine out of me some things that are not good. And I need to, to, to know the power of God in a greater way. So if I do, I know you do, we're not any different. You see, we, we, you know, we say, well, I'm, I've been a Christian a good while now, and, and I'm faithful to the Lord, and I read my Bible, and I pray. And I'm, listen, that's wonderful. You better do that if you're going to grow. But let me tell you something. Nobody in this place has arrived. And if you say, I don't need the fire of God, you're the person who needs the fire of God. Well, how do you have the fire of God visit you? How do you do it? Well, first of all, I want you to notice in verse 30. This is so beautiful. We just go right through this. You'll see how you do it. The altar was broken down. The Jews had been worshiping Baal, and they'd just been doing everything. But, and the altar was broken down. And it says in verse 30, Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. So the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. If you're going to have the fire of God, you've got to repair the altar of God in your life. See, some of us, the altar of God has been broken down in our lives. And it's hard for the fire to come on a broken altar. Maybe you've had some broken relationships. Maybe there's some bitterness. Maybe there's some unforgiveness. Maybe there's some resentment. And God says, you know, the altar is broken down. You, you need to repair the altar. You need to repair it. There needs to be forgiveness. You know, there needs to be no bitterness. There needs to be love. He said, you've got to repair the altar. And it may be that uh, you've been so busy that you don't have, you're constantly being consumed by this world and its atmosphere and you try to work God into your schedule. And you try to find some time for God. And, but, you know, you've got so many demands and pressures on you. And you neglect the, the word of God. And you neglect the place of prayer. And God says, you know, listen, I want to send the fire. But you've got to repair the altar. It's broken down. And I pray this morning, if, there are any broken, if your altar's broken down in any area of your life, some of you are absolutely being controlled by fear. And that's the opposite of faith. And so if fear is motivating you and you get up afraid of what's going to happen in the days to come and go happen to you, then you've gone from faith to fear. And what you need to do, you need to repair the altar and say, God, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And I live in faith, not in... What altar? Why do you need to repair the altar in your life? Where's it broken down? You know, they repaired the altar. And then uh, you need the fire of God to fall on you. It's very personal. Now, I want you to notice what uh, Elijah did. He didn't want anybody to feel left out. And so he did this. 
he, he called the people in and said he was going to repair the broken altar. Uh, and then he, he made it personal. In, in 1 Kings 18, verse 31 and 32, he, he, he takes 12 stones. And that's one for every tribe of Israel. Nobody is going to be left out. I'm going I'm to build a new altar. Nobody's going to be left out. Everybody needs the fire of God. And so I'm going to take the 12 tribes, 12 stones for the 12 tribes of Israel, and I'm going to build a new altar. He said, and Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the sons of Jacob, of the tribes of the son of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come and said, Israel shall be your name. Let me tell you something. God says, you need to prepare a new altar. It's the reason he said the 12 tribes of Israel. He didn't want to think any of them were excluded. He wanted everybody to know everybody was included. And there's not a person in here in this room that does not need the fire of God. We need, he includes us. He includes us. He includes us. And that's why I said it, the 12 tribes. We all need the fire of God to fall on us. And then look in verses 33 through 35. You, 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 you repair the broken down altar. You build a new altar. And it's personal because you're one of God's children. And then you prepare the sacrifice. <laughs> Boy, this is strong. You know, uh, Elijah said... We go, you, Baal, y'all get y'all sacrifice. We'll get our sacrifice. And, and, and no fire, but whoever answers by fire, that's God. Well, look what he said. So he put the wood in order. He cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the, on the wood. Now, the, the prophets of Baal had already, had, you know, their altar was prepared. They had spent all day crying out to their God to come and answer by fire. They started early in the morning. They went past noon. And Elijah, now he was not politically correct. You know what he said to him? He said, they were just panicking because they were crying for Baal to come and light the fire and burn up the sacrifice. And, and nothing was happening. He said, maybe he's on vacation. That's exactly what he said. Maybe he's preoccupied with something else. He could be asleep. That's what Elijah said. Well, they got desperate, and they began to cut themselves, as they did, trying to appease the anger of the Baals. But no fire ever fell. No fire ever fell. And it was evening. And so Elijah said, okay, we're going to prepare the sacrifice. And look how he did it. We go back to 18, verse 33 through 35. He put the wood in order. Cut the bulls in pieces, bull in pieces, laid it on the wood, and said, Now come on, Elijah, you're making it hard for God. It says, Fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. He said, Go get four pots of water and pour it on the sacrifice. Well, man, it's going to be tough enough for God to start it when it's dry. But oh no, he keeps going. And then he says, Do it a second time. Eight pots of water. He says, do it the third time. I said, you are stretching it, man. Twelve pots of water. And then he says, I want you to fill the trench around the altar. I want you to fill it up 
with water. I said, okay, big boy, you, 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 you're in trouble. It's one thing for God to fall on the dry wood and dry sacrifice, but this baby is loaded. It's floating. It is floating. It's underwater, Elijah. Let me tell you something. This is what we do. We look at things in our life, and you know what we say? It's got 12 pots of water on it. It's trenching. It's filled with water. That's too hard for God. That's too hard for God. God can't overcome 12 pots of water. God can't overcome a wet sacrifice. God can't overcome wet wood. God can't overcome trenches. You know why Elijah made it hard? Can I tell you? Because he knew that you and I would think it's just too, some things that are too hard in my life for God. I'll always be this way. I'll never get out of this mess. I'll never get out of this hole. I'll never, I'll never be able to know and follow God the way I ought to. I, I never will be able to. And, you know, the enemy just comes and just says, listen, you're too far gone. It's too hard for God. He can't do it. You've got 12 pots of water on you. You got, you, you, you were covered with the water of this world. You, you can't do it. It's not going to happen for you. Well, was, was that a problem to God? That there were 12 pots of water? And I want you to read on. It says, they prepared the sacrifice. And then... Uh, Look at verse 36. All right, so we repair the broken down altar. You need for the fire of God to fall on you. So you prepare the sacrifice. And you realize that nothing nothing in your life is too hard for God. And then 18 verse 36. Very important thing right here. Lord God of Abraham, I love this. (laughs) Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. And that's Jacob. God had changed his name. uh, uh, Jacob meant twister. God had changed. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you're God in Israel, and I am your servant. And I've done all these things at your word. And then he goes on. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, And that you have turned their hearts back to you again. You know what he did? Then the fire. So let me tell you what he did. He cried out to God. He cried out to God. He did. He said, Lord. He cried out to him. He said, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, these are your people. And God, would you just let let them know that you are God and there is no other. And he said, and he cried out to God. Now let me say something. Let me say something. When you know that you need, you have a need in your life. And we all have needs. We have victory in a lot of places. But we get defeated in a lot of ways. You know, we're not in heaven yet. We're not fully sanctified, which means that you don't sin. The Christian does not practice sin. It is not their lifestyle. But the truth is, sometimes 
We stumble and fall. Sin knocks us down. And so we all realize that, that we need the fire of God to refine us and to consume some things out of us and to give us the power to be what we ought to be. We know that. And so we need to cry out to God to send the fire. Just cry out to God. And, and so then the, Lord, then the fire, Elijah had called out, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. The wood and the stones and the dust. <laughs> and he licked up the water that was in the trench. Lord, of mercy, he burned up the rocks. It wasn't too hard for God. Listen, if he can speak this world out of nothing and says, let there be light. If God can, can create you in his image and have those blood vessels carrying that blood to your vein and getting oxygen to you so you can live. If God can create the body you're living in. If God can create this universe with the magnificent stars and all the things that declare his glory. I want to tell you hallelujah. There's nothing too hard for God in your life. And God's fire needs to fall on you and on me. Why are we satisfied to live where we are when we know there's more? There's a closer walk with Jesus. There's a closer walk with God. There's a greater knowledge of him. He wants more of our life. It needs to be less of him, less of us, and more of him. John the Baptist said, I must decrease and Jesus must increase. I am telling you, we need the fire of God to fall on each one of us in this place this morning. You say, I don't need it, Brother Fred. You're the one that needs it. Cry out to God. And look what they did when the fire fell. This is what I want every one of us to do today. Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. Hallelujah. And they cried. When the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord he is God. The Lord. Oh, they, they fell on their faces. I mean, <laughs> they fell on their faces. And they said, my, they were so broken that they'd been following after Baal. They were so broken that they just kind of served, tried to serve two masters. That when God answered with fire and they saw the, that Yahweh, he is God, they fell on their faces and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. God answered with fire and God will answer you with fire. But you know, <laughs> there's one thing they did. And, and this is really significant. I want you to listen. I want you to look at verse 40. So they repented. They repented of being double-minded. They repented of trying to serve two masters. They repented of worshiping the Baals and trying to worship Jehovah, who said, there's no other gods before me. They repented. They fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. But you know what he told them? He said, okay. In verse 40, he <laughs> said, you've got to kill everything that's been keeping you from being like God. You've got to kill all those idols. You've got to kill all those things in your life that's keeping you from being what God wants you to be. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. 
So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to book to the brook Kishon and executed them there. He killed the 450 prophets of Baal. It's one thing for you to fall on your face and say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. But it's another thing to say, I'll tell you what, all those other idols that have been taken in my life, and it could be anything, folks. It could be anything. I got to deal with those idols. I can't keep hanging around them. I can't keep playing with them. I've got, I got to put them to death. I'm telling you right now, you've got to put to death the idols. You can't keep them hanging around. And that's why he killed the prophets of Baal. You know, we all need the fire of God to consume us, to refine us, to give us power. We cannot be divided between two opinions. We must say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And with my whole heart, my whole heart, I will love him. With my whole heart, I will follow him. With my whole heart, I will serve him. I will have no other gods before me, for him. All the bales are going. They're going to be put to death. And the only thing that is left is Yahweh, the one true living God. You know, the Salvation Army, when it started under William Booth, and in some parts of the world, and I don't know how it is in, in Mobile. I don't have any involvement with it. Like, but I want to tell you, they, they were an army. They were on fire with God. For God, with God. They, they literally were used of God under William Booth to change Europe. And, and, and when we went to India 25, 30 years ago, I, I saw how strong. They had, had no uniforms. I saw the, how strong the Salvation Army was in India about 40 years ago when we went over there. And, and so... But, but they had a song they used to sing, powerful song. And I'm telling you, God blessed them, and God used the Salvation Army, and he still uses them. But I want you to listen. We got the words of that song we can put up on the, on the screen. Um, it, it's a new song, but I, I want you to just stay in your seat, and I want it to be a prayer. I want it to be your prayer. And we're going to sing the first verse. Ed, you come up here and help, help me. This is a tough song, but it's a great song. And you just stay seated. And I want this to be a prayer. And let's sing it to the Lord, okay? Go ahead. God of Elijah, hear our cry. Send the fire and make us fit to live or die. Send the fire today to burn up every trace of sin, to bring the light and glory in the revolution now begin send the fire today send the fire send the fire 
dying world to say Set the fire today Oh, see us on your altar lay We give our lives to you today So cloud the offering now we pray Send the fire today Send the fire Send the fire Send the fire Send the fire today Send the fire Send the fire Send the fire Send the fire today Bow your heads with me.